Welcome to The Rancher's Voice, presented by the Montana Stocker Association. I'm Jay Bodner, MSGA's Executive Vice President. And I'm Rayleigh Honeycutt, Director of Natural Resources. Join us for conversations surrounding policy, the legislature, and issues that matter most to ranching families in Montana. Welcome to this week's episode. This week we are celebrating National Ag Week. Yay! But in reality, we really are Ag 365, 24-7. So it is great, though, to celebrate National Ag Week. And it, it's exciting to see some of the things that we've uh, advocated for ag this week. And, um, and Montana Stockers has done a lot. So make sure that you tune into that also. We also, this week, um, in this week's podcast, we're going to um, update on uh, a visit that we've had with the Taiwan delegation. So that was exciting. We're also going to do a deep dive into the American Rescue Plan Act. So the dollars that Montana is going to be receiving from the, the federal stimulus package. And then we're also going to be digging into this week's legislative highlights. So make sure to uh, subscribe to The Rancher's Voice, follow us on social, and this week we have quite a bit of social activity happening with National Ag Week, some fun, interesting infographics and activities, so we encourage you to share those and share that with uh, your social uh, communities as well. Make sure to like, share, and comment on each episode, and if you have questions for us, email Kenny at K-E-N-I at mtv.org. So we'll jump into just a little bit of what happened last week. We did have our MSGA board of directors in town last week. It was, uh, it was a great opportunity to really look at some specific strategic planning for the organization. We also did have a number of uh, board members that had an opportunity to testify on some bills for us. We also did um, get to host a number of about 20 legislators and small groups and talk about a lot of the priorities that MSGA has at the legislature. And when you have those in-depth conversations, it just provides a lot more opportunity to make sure that we get our um, priority bills across the finish line. A few other things that um, we did also do is we did partner with the Montana Ag Business Association and the Montana Farm Bureau Association for a St. Patty's Day um, celebration and reception. And um, we actually had a really good turnout of legislators. It was exciting to, to be able to have that uh, group event. And um, it was another opportunity to kind of expand our conversations with the wide range of uh, legislators that attended. And then wrapping up last week into the weekend, uh, last Friday, Governor Gianforte rolled out his Montana Meat Day video, and I know many of you have seen it, but this was in response to the governor of Colorado proclaiming March 20th being Meat Out Day for Colorado. Uh, Governor Gianforte uh, worked with a local restaurant here in Helena, and they uh, grilled up some Montana beef and made a video proclaiming Montana Meat Day. Uh, and then on Saturday, the proclamation came out again, proclaiming the meat day. And for those of you who have not heard or watched the video, we wanted to give you a quick preview. So here it is. So our neighbors to the south have proclaimed March 20th as meat out day. They're actually trying to get people to not eat meat. Thank you, Brandy. You're welcome. 
Every day is meat day in Montana. Enjoy. We'd like to thank Governor Gianforte for his um, awesome video. I know that they have had tens of thousands of views and shares across social platforms. And also just want to thank him for his continued support of the Montana cattle um, for Montana cattle ranchers. This week is National Egg Week, and we will be celebrating Egg Week all week long. Um, make sure to watch our sh social channels for information and activities as they roll out throughout the week. And also this week, uh, we'll be talking about it, but we uh, will be hosting and participating in some uh, trade conversations with the delegation from Taiwan, as well as a roundtable discussion with the governor and a variety of different activities up at the Capitol as uh, we celebrate National Egg Week. Great. Yeah, Rayleigh did mention the, the Taiwan delegation, and so we did have an opportunity to host, along with some of the other ag groups, um, a Taiwan delegation. And it did include Director General Daniel Chen and then also Vice Council Ting Chen. And they were with the, the Taipei Economic and Cultural Office and representing the nation of Taiwan. And it was a great opportunity really to, to visit with them in depth about uh, Montana agriculture. Uh, they are a very strategic ally for U.S. and a large importer of Montana beef and, we'd like, uh, and wheat. And we'd like to see um, that opportunity increase as we have, uh, have the chance. So right now they look uh, to be Montana's fifth largest ag export market. And uh, they have indicated to us that they'd like to be number one, and we'd like that also. So um, one of the things that we do have an opportunity, and they've been talking specifically at the legislature, is that Montana used to have a trade office in Taiwan, and that was closed uh, during the Schweitzer administration. And there is an effort now to reopen that office, and I am certainly... I am, increase our export opportunities uh, to Taiwan. So looking forward to that and uh, potentially getting that office funded and, and uh, increasing our, our opportunities there. Yeah, there's a lot of activity surrounding this. So uh, we had the opportunity to have conversations, but also want to thank the attorney general, the governor, as well as uh, legislative leadership for kind of bringing uh, this opportunity uh, to Montana and uh, bringing the conversation back to our trade partnership with Taiwan. Yeah, it was certainly a group effort and yeah, appreciate them and their efforts there. So we'll just jump into a little bit of last week, um, some of the bills that we did testify on. We had uh, Senate Joint Resolution 7. This was to remove the Hidden Pasture Creek from the Wilderness Study Area. Uh, this was down in the Dillon area. There was strong support from local, local communities there to uh, move this bill forward. This bill has, MSGA did support it. We have policy and it did get out of committee. So it passed out of committee. Um, in addition to that, we had House Bill 336. This was the Interstate Cooperative Meatpacking Compact. Uh, this bill did get amended, and then it got amended again to include a sunset provision on it. MSGA did support the amended version of this, and it also has passed out of committee. We had House Bill 433. This was to clarify the position of brand for re-records. Um, we did have our Western director, Justin Iverson, who testified. We did have opposition to this bill. It would have um, basically um, tied the hands of the, the department and really the Board of Livestock when they look at re brand re-records and, and setting policy there. We, we prefer that to be within that 
that committee versus within the legislature and, and within uh, legislative statute. So uh, that bill did get amended, um, but then in the end, that bill did get tabled. House Bill 410 is a Pollinator Protection Act. Uh, This bill we stood in opposition of. Uh, We are very uh, supportive of protecting pollinators. However, there were some items within this bill that were concerning to us, one of them being um, the application of insecticides on any uh, ag or grazing leases that were state-owned. And additionally, any plants uh, that were not native could not be uh, planted on any state lands. And so we stood in opposition. We are hearing that this uh, bill is going to be heavily amended. And so we will wait to see what those amendments look like um, for next steps on 410. SJ-11 was a resolution regarding labeling the product of the USA. We stood in support of this bill. And as all of you know, MSGA has a longstanding policy regarding this topic. And we have expressed enormous support in protecting and preserving the USA label. So that resolution has passed out of committee and we'll be moving on to the Senate floor or House floor. Sorry. Uh, And then last, Senate Bill 270 uh, was regards to revised valuations of commodities on state lands. In the first chamber, we expressed some concerns regarding this bill and how it specifically labeled for land offices, for setting pricing, for state uh, leases, for hay pricing. Um, Since then, uh, the bill sponsor worked to amend the bill and removed that the four offices being listed and just wrote all state land offices with that amendment that removed our opposition. And so we went in on the second side and supported the bill and it is waiting executive action in its committee. Yeah, in House Natural Resources, we did have Senate Bill 63. This uh, established wind and solar development ground leases for straight trust lands. And so um, when those leases for like wind or solar occur on state leases and there is a grazing lease, typically those grazing leases get canceled and then we get reissued a license. And so this bill would address that. So our grazing permits would not be canceled. They would remain um, in these instances where they have these other developments to occur. So it's um, something that we have supported. We supported it on the Senate side. We have supported it on the House side, and it has passed out of committee. Um, In addition, we have Senate Joint Resolution 87. This confirmed the governor's appointees to the Board of Livestock. That included Jake Fettis from Belgrade and Greg Wichman from Hilger for the sheep position. So Jake for the beef and Greg for the sheep position. Uh, That that resolution, those appointments uh, flew out of committee and have become law. So those are our new newest appointees. Senate Bill 29 is a bill regarding weather modification. It had its hearing and, again, had a very great and, uh, I would say, scientific discussion during the committee hearing. Uh, This bill really uh, is a a bill that would allow for weather modification to happen and cloud seeding. The law was put into place 28 years ago, uh, banning weather modification. And so really, we are hoping just to have the opportunity to uh, move forward. As you can imagine, 28 years ago, the technology and science behind weather modification was completely different. And so uh, we had a great hearing there. We stood in support of this bill and we are awaiting executive action from the committee. 
Senate Bill 40 is the last bill we want to feature from last week. It's in regards to the Montana Invasive Species Council and who are the members. Uh, This bill is a pretty simple bill. It is adding two official members to the committee. The first one is the Montana Department of Livestock. The second is the Upper Columbia Conservation Commission. Uh, The Department of Livestock has been a somewhat ad hoc member of this committee for a while, but didn't have an official capacity or official seat within the Invasive Species Council. So this bill was really just kind of a cleanup bill to add them um, to the commission or to the council. I'm sorry. Uh, This is super important because Department of Livestock oversees all of the feral hog issues in the uh, world of invasive species. And so we are happy um, that is waiting on executive action as well, but we would anticipate seeing that happen sometime this week. So we'll look forward at this week. Um, We do have Senate Resolution 88. This is the governor's appointees to the Fish and Wildlife Commission. And those uh, members include Pat Tabor from Whitefish, Casey Walsh from Martinsdale, Brian Siebel from Billings, and our own Leslie Robinson. And um, we will be uh, supporting Leslie and the rest of these nominees um, for this hearing. And we expect uh, those nominees to move forward quite quickly and, and be appointed. So thank you, Leslie, for uh, being agreeing to be a part of uh, the Fishing Game and the Fish and Wildlife Commission. Uh, In addition to that, we do have in-house natural resources, Senate Bill 136. Uh, This would clarify criteria for permits and water right changes. It deals specifically with legal availability. This is a bill that we have supported on the Senate side, and we will be supporting that again on the House side. Uh, Another water bill, Senate Bill 352. This also has passed the Senate and has moved into the House Natural Resources. This does clarify who can object to a water right. We want to make sure that only those that hold a water right are within an irrigation district or irrigation um, conveyance system are the ones that can object uh, to a water right. So there are a few amendments that are going to be placed on this bill, but we will be supporting it. Uh, We certainly think this is a good bill um, to move forward with. House Bill 302 will also be heard. This is a bill regarding the approval of relocation of bison uh, by county commissioners. This is a bill we have seen in multiple sessions that have kind of passed out of the legislature and then been vetoed at the governor's desk. Uh, We're very optimistic that this bill will move forward. And really, it's about local control and giving um, those county commissioners the opportunity to do an analysis and review um, if any wild bison want to relocate into their uh, county. Um, It's also important to note that there is an exclusion of tribal entities. So a lot of the opposition we uh, we'll hear from, uh, talk about that tribal entities shouldn't be involved. This bill does cover that and re- exclude them from this language so they would not need uh, a commissioner approval. Senate Bill 307 is a irrigator liability law. It is really a result of a court case that stated that limitation of liability did not apply to canals or infrastructure and only to ditches. This bill outlines that all irrigation infrastructure will be covered under this limited limited liability clause. And so uh, we will be supporting that as it has its hearing this week as well. Certainly. So now we'd like to move into um, our interview with Senator Ryan Osmondson. Ryan, uh, Mr. Senator Osmondson, he currently serves as the chair for the Senate Finance and 
Claims Committee, and he is uh, somewhat the architect uh, between the, the stimulus bill that's coming to Montana and how we divvy those funds up. So welcome, Senator Osmondson. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Today, uh, I am joined by Senator Ryan Osmondson. And as you'll notice, Jay is not joining us today, but we will miss him and catch him on the next interview. Uh, Senator Osmondson hails from the Buffalo area and is currently the chair of the uh, Finance and Claims Committee for the Senate. So welcome, uh, Senator. Hello. Thank you. We really wanted to take this opportunity to chat with you about money. And I know that is uh, the world that kind of consumes you during the legislature. But first off, let's talk a little bit about the Senate Finance and Claims Committee. And can you just share for our listeners what that committee uh, entails and what your role is as the chairman? Sure. So, I mean, predominantly, well, let me back up here. I guess I was going to go into what the committee does. But if you back up to the, the Constitution, it says that all appropriation bills have to start in the House. So when we look at bills early on in the session in Senate Finance and Claims, they generally have to do with money that could, or excuse me, uh, bills that could potentially spend money. In other words, they don't have an appropriation in them necessarily, but they have a fiscal note attached to them that could cause a fiscal impact to the state. And so we start looking at those Senate bills early on in the session. Um, all the while we are meeting uh, consecutively with the uh, House Appropriations Committee to put the budget together. So the Senate Finance and Claims on the Senate side and the House Appropriations Committee on the House side meet what we call joint subcommittees during the first half of the session. And they, they're the ones really that assemble the budget. And so we will meet for probably around 35 days, somewhere in there. And then we send that House Bill 2, we call it the budget, to the House Appropriations Committee. Then the House Appropriations Committee works on that, um, the budget, the House Bill 2. And the Senate Finance and Claims, we will tend to work through Senate bills, House bills that have fiscal notes with them. And then uh, as the House Bill 2 moves through the process and comes over to the Senate, then it, it comes to my committee. And that's where we uh, make amendments and we negotiate with not only the House, but the governor's office as we put that House Bill 2 together, uh, and which is the, you know, the biennial budget um, you know, for the state. We also deal with anything that has to do with any significant amount of money. So if in the case of uh, just recently, we received the uh, ARPA funds or CARES Act II, uh, either one, while we're in session, we will deal with uh, the bills that are uh, appropriating money uh, you know, in whatever fashion, whether that's a state special revenue account, general fund, or federal fund. And so uh, which that has now consumed a huge amount of our time this session. It wasn't something we you know, expected when we got here. Um, but it certainly has changed the focus from just working on House Bill 2, a few tax bills. Now we're looking at uh, almost a second House Bill 2 in a way. So it is certainly changed the dynamics a little bit. So, right. And you mentioned House Bill 2. And as uh, we are recording, that bill is being heard on the House floor this week. So uh, we will be seeing some movement there. But can you just give us a little preview of maybe what House Bill 2 looks like, any highlights that our listeners may be of interest to? Sure, I mean, when we when we entered this session, you know, we there's a lot of unknowns, especially just coming off of COVID. A lot of concerns were, uh, you know, how the economy was gonna recover, what the tax revenues were gonna look like, uh, just, you know, a lot of businesses still struggling. And so we were trying to be extremely cautious on, you know, what we were spending uh, tax dollars on and just what kind of revenue we could even assume would be coming in over the next two years. And so 
that's kind of the what we came in under was a, a lot of caution, which we still are. And, um, and, and as you mentioned, you know, House Bill 2 is on the floor, the House floor right now. And uh, I would say we're probably, I think we're 52 million under the governor's budget. That's where we were at least last time. I know there's some amendments that went on uh, today. I think brought it down a little bit more. But to get, put that into perspective, um, you know, a lot of times I like to re relate things to what it is in, in relation to inflation or, uh, you know, um, the GDP or, or the um, uh, income level throughout the state. So in other words, um, you know, normally our income grows at about 5%. Our inflation this year is somewhere just under 4%. And we are right there. I mean, as far as state uh, spending is concerned, we're somewhere just underneath inflation. So our personal income growth is actually higher than inflation and higher than our state spending. So we feel like we're in a good position to uh, weather anything coming up. Um, you know, these new ARPA funds coming in, that's going to change some things as well, obviously. Um, you know, inflation is one of those things we can look back and see what it has done. Uh, looking forward, it could be much greater than this, but as of right now, we're using the numbers we have, so. Excellent. And so you mentioned ARPA or the American Rescue Plan Act, um, and that is the COVID 2.0 uh, funds. Uh, last budget number I heard was 2.7 billion. Is that where we're at still? Yeah, that's pretty close. Um, the, the thing with that, you got to remember, there's about 1.3 billion of that we will directly appropriate in some way. Uh, the rest of it will be uh, appropriated through the federal government. So in other words, think of SNAP benefits. You know, we don't necessarily appropriate those, right? Um, UI benefits, those are going to go straight into, you know, um, straight into the UI or, you know, distributed to the people in terms of uh, what benefits they're receiving that do not come through the state. So suffice to say, we will be dealing with about 1.3 uh, billion. Now, even with that, there's some of that that we have to appropriate, but we won't necessarily have a lot of discretion in how we spend it. So in other words, local uh, cities and municipalities will be getting about 300 million of that that will just be a pass through. The state really won't have anything to say about it. The university system will be probably getting around 81 million. And again, that's predominantly a pass through. There won't be a lot of um, discretion in how we spend that in funds. Um, there are other areas that we can in, in Department of Health and Human Services. There's a few um, silos, if you will, of money that we can direct. Uh, and then there's some, there's, there's a large block. Uh, we're calling it the 910 because it's, it's roughly $910 million that we can spend on water, sewer, broadband, or uh, economic stabilization. And so those are the funds that we're kind of working with, how to allocate, where to put them. Uh, they're, they're just the most flexible funds that we have at this point. So it's, you're correct, it's 2.7 billion, but it's not, uh, it's not just a blank check, put it that way. Excellent. So let's talk because you did mention there are some predetermined buckets. Um, a lot of the information kind of tied to those, um, has not been rolled out. So there's kind of a question of a known from the federal government on how exactly that money can be spent. But from the legislator's perspective, can you walk our listeners through how um, both the House and Senate are working together to be as prepared as possible moving into next steps of this money? Sure. So we kind of treated this like a mini House Bill 2 session where we actually reassembled our subcommittees and a, a little bit differently because it was an, a, a very much an abbreviated version of House Bill 2. 
And so we try to get the subcommittee's input um, on these funds, where they should go. And we brought in a lot of public input from different industries to obviously the agencies and how you know they felt these funds should be allocated. And so we did that last week. Uh, and then we worked all weekend trying to basically assemble some sort of structure to put these funds into in a bill. And we're currently in the process of that. We hope to be hearing that bill initially tomorrow in House Probes. And so House Appropriations will get that going. There'll be a lot of amendments, I'm sure. Um, we've kind of broken those uh, more uh, discretionary funds, shall I say, up into a few different buckets, whether that be communications, which would obviously include broadband, um, public safety radio, uh, things of that nature. And then also the infrastructure side of it, which is going to include a lot of things, uh, water sewer. So we generally fund a lot of water sewer projects through um, TSEP, Georgia State Endowment Program, regional waters, there's um, renewable resource grants. There's a lot of different infrastructure things that we do that are water and sewer related across the state every year. These funds, we're going to go ahead and use them to backfill and we'll use the TSEP funds, either we'll save them for next time. So we'll have you know more ability to cover more projects in two years, or um, we'll use those funds to maybe, one of the allowable uses of TSEP is also bridges. So we may go into uh, funding more bridge projects as well. So it's definitely gonna be an advantage for the state. Um, you know, We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars worth of broadband uh, fiber that will be plowed into the ground over the next several years. A lot of water and sewer projects that will get finished because these funds came down. I mean, those are good things. Um, but anyway, not to get off on a tangent, but so we'll work it through the process, kind of like House Bill 2. It'll go out of House Probes, it'll come through the floor, back to Senate Financing Claims. And that's probably where we'll have to do a lot of the refining is in Senate Financing Claims because it's going to have to meld with our House Bill 2, all our uh, long range building projects, capital projects. Uh, we're trying to make some available some funds to make sure we can get the state lab, um, the vet lab uh, funded through some of these funds as well. So uh, there's some there's some good things that are going to be done with it. You know, there's been a lot of concern, and I've heard from not only constituents but other legislators that you know this is crazy. We this is this you know this is unsustainable, and I would agree with them. It is. Um, the, the challenge with it is, is it's not a function of you send it back and it reduces the national debt. You send it back and it goes to California, it goes to Illinois, it, it's going to go somewhere else. It just, I mean, it's probably going to go back to build Seattle and Portland. So, you know, we either get some benefit out of it or um, someone else will. And, and that's unfortunate, but it's it's what it is. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I don't know if you hit on it too hard, but I think from our perspective, the outside watching, I think it's also very important to note that you guys have been being very conscientious of doing one-time only projects that can be spent and there's then not a required maintenance amount um, yeah. moving into the future. Yeah, that's a great point because, you know, one of the, one of the analogies someone used was planting uh, acorns and turning them into oak trees that you have to continually fund. And so we've been very cognizant of that and just not standing up new programs and or, and or anything with, you know, additional FTE, if we can at all help it. It's certainly going to, it's going to be very difficult to find a contractor in the next, you know, four years. I think that's going to be the case just because if these funds uh, get hit the ground as quickly as we hope they will, uh, there's going to be a lot of people put to work uh, immediately over it. And, and if we can get some one-time projects like water and sewer, and we're going to see if we can get some irrigation projects done um, with this money as well, which is, I think, desperately needed in some areas. 
I think that will be beneficial for a very long time. It's not just simply a, a one and done um, stimulus, but it would be something that would last a long time. So we're trying to be very cognizant of that. Excellent. And you mentioned it, and we are, as an industry, very appreciative that that veterinary diagnostic lab is um, part of the conversation as well, because it's very important for our industry. Um, so you mentioned there were meetings last week. There were also some opportunities for those that are, were kind of in the capital to give public comment on specific projects and some of those sub joint subcommittees. But for our listeners, what is the opportunity for them to kind of engage in the process or comment regarding these ARPA funds? So there's, there's going to be lots of opportunities. Um, you know, obviously contacting your lo local legislator would be significant because these, this will follow the normal process. So it's, like I said, going to go to House Appropriations first. So those on appropriations will have the ability to amend it at that point in time. Uh, you will have to go through the House floor. Uh, I'm sure there will be a few amendments there. Kind of the, the thing you got to keep in mind is this bill in and of itself is going to have a lot of big numbers in it. So it's not necessarily going to get extremely detailed on in this bill uh, compared to, to some bills, because what we're going to do is use a lot of coordinating language with bills that are already in play. So House Bill 14, House Bill 11, House Bill 5, House Bill uh, 6, 7, 5. I mean, all of those bills that are normal infrastructure bills, the long range planning bills, essentially, is what we call them. A lot of those, we will just simply switch out the funding source. So instead of general fund or instead of a state special revenue account or instead of TSEP, they will be funded through these, the, the RF funds, or funds, I should say. And so you'll watch the project lists in those bills and that's where they will be listed. The funding source obviously will be coming through House Bill 632, which is the ARP funds. So to answer your question directly, it's like any other bill. Okay. You're going to watch this come through the process. So it'll go to House Appropriations, House Floor, then it'll come to Senate Finance and Claims. It is extremely likely that a lot of these bills will end up in conference committee just to make sure that we don't get something underappropriated or overappropriated or double uh, appropriated. There's just going to be a lot of coordination that we're going to have to get together. So um, it, it will it'll be interesting a couple of weeks in April. I can tell you that. Definitely. Well, we know you are definitely a very busy man um, as it relates to all of the uh, financial components of session, but uh, can you share with our listeners just a few of the other issues or bills that you've been working on that may be of interest to them? Sure. A um, couple of things in uh, Senate Ag, we were looking at how to uh, try to improve uh, the uh, availability of uh, shipping meat across state lines. Um, you know, we've had a lot of conversations with Farm Bureau on this, and uh, one of the things we've kind of come up with is trying to figure out a way to work with the USDA in ways that we can um, ship uh, finished meat, obviously cut meat across state lines. And uh, one of the suggestions that Farm Bureau came up with and, and the Department of Livestock was to enter into a CIS program. And uh, I think that's a very good option. So that's something we are working on. Uh, I know the Department of Livestock is working on that. Uh, we plan to work on that when House Bill 2 gets to us. Uh, they need a little bit of an appropriation in that. So that's that's kind of exciting. We'll hopefully be able to increase some uh, opportunity for uh, small meat packers uh, to, to get their meat across state lines. So we're looking forward to that. Um, again, I do work predominantly on the money side of things. So that's, that's predominantly where I uh, spend my time. Um, so yes, the vet lab, things like that, that I think your listeners are going to be very excited about. Um, as a farm and rancher myself, that's, those are things that I uh, keep, a, keep an ear to as well. So 
Excellent. And we, we also have been in conversations about CIS with the Department and Farm Bureau and, and really appreciative of you um, having that opportunity to open up communication and kind of look for solutions on um, how we can best uh, support our producers as it relates to meat processing. So, all right, well, that, with that, we are going to let you go. You have been a very busy guy all session, but definitely the last couple of weeks has been a very heavy lift and we appreciate all the work that you have been doing um, in regards to all things of uh, finance, but also on behalf of the farmers and ranchers of our state, you are a, a great advocate for our industry. So with that, we just wanna thank, say thank you and we will see you up at the Capitol. Thank you, I appreciate it, Rayleigh. Well, once again, we'd like to thank Senator Osmondson for his efforts. It certainly is going to be some challenges to um, look at that, craft that bill, but they are moving along nicely and, and we certainly expect uh, good things to come. So we'd like to once again, just thank Senator Osmondson for his work and for joining us today. Yeah, when you think of $2.7 billion, that's a lot of money to figure out where to spend it and be uh, conscientious of how that money is being spent. So. Thank you to everyone at the legislature working on that. We'd like to, again, thank you guys as well for listening. Make sure to subscribe to The Rancher's Voice. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And make sure to like, share, and comment each of our episodes. We would love to hear from you. So submit your questions to Kenny at K-E-N-I at mtbeef.org. And thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody.